0: Thank you for coming out. Oh yeah! Thank you for
1: coming out. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO, as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming-out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I'm so excited, because I haven't had two guests on at once in a really long time, and these guests are so spectacular, I can't wait for you to meet them. Andrew Bellingfant, he, him, is a community builder and activist living in New York City. As a Senior Director of Programs and Organizational Development at JDC Entwine, he travels the world connecting global Jews and building awareness around humanitarian aid and disaster relief work. Growing up with type 1 diabetes and an LGBTQ plus identity pushed Andrew to center the voices of the most marginalized and vulnerable in society, and he has dedicated his work towards how we can better expand and make more inclusive the communities we live in. And... Emile Cohen, he, him, his, is a New York-based artist. Born and raised in Canada and the United States, Emile holds an MFA in fine arts from the School of the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston, at Tufts University. His photographs have been featured in exhibitions across the United States, and most recently, Emile was named by Logo TV as one of their 2022 Logo 30 honorees. His work has been published in the New York Times, Times Square, Rolling Stone Magazine, and many more. He is a proud New York queer Jew, Andrew and Emil. Welcome,
2: Thanks for having us. Oh my gosh, it's my
1: pleasure. Uh, just so watching to be here. I'm I'm so excited to have you both here. I feel like we've been talking about this for like a year or two. So I'm I'm glad it's finally
2: happening. One hundred percent. I remember, Dubs, we saw each other a couple of weeks ago and um, you said, I have a draft waiting to go to you and Emil in my inbox. It just has to have the send button pushed. And <laughs> I think the next day the send button was pushed.
1: Yeah. Glorious. How are you both doing? It's uh, you're both in New York City right now, right? Yes. Yep. How Oof. are you dealing with the heat?
0: Um you know, I like to say that if the world were to end due to air conditioning, I would be okay with that because I don't know what I would do without it.
2: Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, with all the with all the window ACs hanging out of New York City buildings, I feel like someone will have one fall on them soon and the world will end for that oh, person. Andrew. And it,
0: oh, Andrew, <laughs> take just, we're not even a minute in and you went dark. <laughs> <laughs> it also reminds me of the... Classic Broad City episode when Alana gets air conditioned water in her eye. Oh yeah, and just continues to deteriorate throughout the day. I think yeah. about all the yeah, all the the um, impressionable young newbies in the city who don't know how to navigate the drips.
2: Welcome to New York.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a real art.
1: <laughs> you know, I just got dripped on today, and I've been in New York for a lot of years, and so now I'm feeling only a little bad about myself, but that's fine.
0: As long as it doesn't go into like, like some open orifice in our bodies—the eyes, the ears, the mouth,
1: the nose. Yeah, it was my the shirt. belly button. Yeah, okay.
2: the window ACs are not biased towards new people. We all we we can all be dripped on.
1: <laughs> true. That's true. Fair. Thank you, Andrew. Um, I also think about that episode every time I walk by that Bed Bath and Beyond, where it's like they look. It's like they look <laughs> away for half a second, and their shit's gone. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember you.
2: Um, do you want to know a fun fact?
1: Please, always.
2: One year for the Jewish holiday Purim, Emil and I dressed up as Abby and Alana.
0: We did. We have photos. We will provide it for the pod.
1: I was literally open my mouth to say that. And so thank you. I need them. <laughs> I need those pictures. We all, it's we probably, all
0: need them. It's the, in fact, let that be the cover of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Not even just
1: your episode. All the episodes. I <laughs> oh, mean, <my God. laughs> just the podcast. <laughs> Exactly. You would get
0: a lot of, yeah, your subscription uh, numbers would rise exponentially.
1: I love that. Great. Um, all right. So I'm going to have to be extra diligent on keeping us on track. I'm I'm the, the space holder and I also always just go off track. So I'm going to do this because I really want to hear both of your stories and have plenty of time to chat with you both. So Andrew, you're up first to share with us a coming out or coming into self story.
2: Thank you for that. Framing. I think I was uh, recently traveling. I think I said this to you, actually, when we saw each other dubs. I was recently traveling and somebody was um, talking about coming out of the closet and um, somebody else that was traveling with us uh, stepped in to say, I actually want to reframe that to be about inviting people into your experience. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. And, um, I think both of those things can be true. I think we can come out and also invite people in. There's something powerful about each of those things, but, yeah, uh, it's been something I've been thinking about a lot. So I appreciate that you framed the question like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say as a, as like a entry point to the particular story that I'm going to tell, um, It was not the only time i came out i think that one of the things i think about a lot and i'm sure you've both experienced and talked about in your circles as well is um that as queer people we actually have to come out quite often if not every day when you meet new people when you encounter new experiences there's actually like a process by which you share of yourself and your identity with other people and so i think i've come out thousands of times in my life um and this one story in particular is meaningful for me uh and you'll hear why so um I, after school every day when I was in, I I came out really young. I was uh, 14 when I first started telling people that I was queer Uh, at the time I used the word gay and I still use that word, but um, I like queer as an all inclusive. And I was in, I must've been right around eighth grade at the time. And after school every day I would get picked up from school uh, by my mother who's no longer alive. And so we had this experience. She, she often, I actually don't know why I was alone with her in the car that day, but it was just the two of us. And she often liked to do fun adventures with each of her kids. There are eight of us total, um, five of whom belong to her and then the other three from uh, another marriage. But, um, I, I really don't know why I was alone with her in the car that day, but we ended up being alone together. And she decided that like the fun activity that we would do since it was just the two of us is that we would go get our nails done. Mm. Um, And maybe there's like some meaning packed in there somewhere, but we went and got our nails done. And, uh, I think I was like sitting on the side, waiting for her to be finished, uh, reading a magazine or something like that. And, um, the way I remember the experience was that she turned to me and, and was asking me a few questions about my life, about school, about stuff that was going on. And at some point she said, um, do you have a girlfriend? And I said, no. And she followed that question up by, by saying, do you want one? Uh, and so I I honestly answered her and, and told her that that was not something that I wanted. Uh, and I think about that a lot because for me, it indicated some level of trust that adults are, in my belief at least, adults should be required to actually create those, those safe spaces for people to come out into. I think um, as queer people, At least in my, again, in my own experience, but I I think this is probably true of a lot of folks. Um, When you live in a world where you're automatically a sexual minority, I think you don't, you're not implicitly told that it's safe to be. Uh, And so the fact that she actually opened up that space and made it safe to be feels really important to me. And so that's what I like to um, mention as my coming out story or my inviting in story.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. That um, I love to hear the stories of of parents like having a knowing and doing these like sweet gestures for their children to know to create those safe spaces. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. Um. All right, Emil. Hi. Hi. A coming out, coming into self story. Um. Yes. Let me just before I share address
0: andrew and actually yeah. let me andrew is one of my very best friends in the whole wide world and to this day i am always in awe of the way he speaks and the way he is with words and i'm always taking mental notes in phrases that he says including what you just said which was um it's not in, And now i'm paraphrasing because i didn't have a pen but it's not intuitive for uh somebody with a sexual minority to feel like they are included in the space. And I just immediately heard, you know, fill in the blank minority, maybe it's sexuality, maybe it's religion, maybe it's racial, maybe it's gender that we cause them. We still live in a world where as a minority, you are not, it's easy to not feel instinctively welcome in a space until you are told you are welcome and so that's just gonna sit with me for a while so thank you andrew um hopefully oh my gosh to this day i'm like andrew read these texts before i send them andrew will look at this email (laughs) help me and he's always always always
2: right well then what happens is i send like paragraphs and paragraphs and you're like i'm gonna pull (laughs) out this one sentence
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's true but it's that one sentence is the exact thing that i needed you to say um so that's will probably be one of many moments that I praise Andrew um during this conversation. My story. And also Andrew, um to, as Andrew mentioned. Neil, tell is, your story. I can't <laughs> <laughs> I can before I get this out. Um and Robert, feel free to remove this if it's going on for too long. But um Andrew, as he said, is one of eight. And to this day i've known him for many years and to this day i still put in my head like which sibling belongs to which parent because it's such a beautiful blended family of different parents that to this day i still have to go and i've met everybody multiple times i still go through on my hands which sibling goes with which parent and uh as you were talking i was going through that (laughs) i have to confess i still was like okay Andrew, his mom, and Laura, and his sister, and that sibling, but then there's these three, anyways, so, um, that's just a fun note that we can erase, um, (laughs) my, one of my many coming out stories, um, I guess is probably my biggest one, um, which was kind of the catalyst to, uh, the rest of my coming out experience, um, Which, similar to what Andrew said, you are always coming out of the closet your whole life. I guess we all are, and every sexuality will always be coming out in some way, shape, or form. The second you meet somebody and you identify, well, that person's cute, or this is my partner, you're instinctively, whether you're queer or you're straight, you're always coming out in some way, shape, or form, which was something I learned as a Trevor Project counselor, Um, and I still do today. My coming out experience was a little um, less like sweet and wonderful, but it was still fine. I was coming to terms with my sexuality in college, and I decided that this like path of trying to pursue a girlfriend was not leading to success. So maybe it's time I stop avoiding what I I know I'm avoiding and trying to look the other way and see what it's like because you won't know uh, until you try it. I say that about everything. Um, that was my first lesson as a teenager with cigarettes. You won't know until you try it. And thankfully, I hated it. Um, so <laughs> I thought, okay, go on a date with a guy. And this is still like in the closet in college. I went to school in Philadelphia. So lots of opportunity to explore that side of my life without having it interfere with my everyday um student world college life sure enough found a website an online dating website do you guys remember d-list is that a thing you grew up with it was no what's d-list d-list was a gay myspace essentially um wow. yeah essentially um yeah. and i met somebody there and i uh, that was my first date And I knew the second I went on that first date that like, yep, this is what I need to be pursuing a lot more. Um, So I began dating this guy for six months and, you know, he was older, so he had his own world in Philly. He was doing his own thing. I was now part of this world of his. I kept his adult dating world over here and I kept my college life over there. And I thought, well, look how easy it is. You don't need to come out at all if it's going to work out this well and of course he was like are you ever considering coming out at all at any point And i naively in my 21 year old self said i don't think so why <laughs> would i this works i don't need to worry about it and of course um a couple of weeks later <laughs> i got the i got the uh i got the paper the exit um the exit paper and <laughs> Uh, are you trying papers? to say that you got dumped? Yeah, via email, I believe. The exit paper? No, it was a call. <laughs> I don't know. What are they called? Your papers? Your slips? I don't know. I don't oh, know the like reference a, you're making. Like a red slip? A red like you got your papers? Like you gotta go? Like you got served? <laughs> I, mean,
2: served. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You get
0: your pa- You got your papers. Like you gotta go. Anyways, uh, jo- got
2: Joan them. will know the answer to this question.
0: Joan is my mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I got dumped. Um, but it was a really good lesson learned because I learned two things one I was feeling so emotional about this breakup uh, more so than I ever had with anybody else I had dated of the opposite sex and so I realized like oh this is what love must feel like I probably unbeknownst to me at the time fell in love with this person and that's why i'm you know i'm sitting with this breakup a little harder and a little longer and i was happy with that revelation. i wasn't devastated um it was a nice eye-opening experience to realize that oh if i want to feel love again i'm gonna need to come out because i will always find myself in this position if i don't make a big change um so that was the end of the semester, the spring semester. And I moved to New York for the summer for an internship. Uh I fell in love. With the city as like a young college gay boy just prancing around at Splash and, and, you know, uh, all of Hell's R. kitchen. RIP Splash. RIP Splash and you look on Mondays. Uh, Andrew and I have photos of us at Splash, which might not make it onto the content of this episode. <laughs> we got a lot but, of photos, but they are wonderful. Um, and so then by the end of the summer, I knew I had to, I wanted to come out to my parents. And so, uh, I knew at the time, and I'm sorry this is going on for so long. I knew at the time I didn't want uh, to make it a really big, over dramatic moment. Um, I really wanted to just keep it low key. Um, that was kind of my, my vision. And so after uh, an episode of Law and Order SVU, which I knew to be my parents' favorite show, uh, we were on the couch and they said, I have something to tell you. And I shared it with them and I saw their eyes open up a little bit, a little widen, but uh, they were very cool about it. And then I went to bed. And of course, she came to my door, my mom, Joan, and said, did you think we'd love you any less? And then we (laughs) had a big hug. And that was it. And then the next day, we kind of just talked a little bit more about it. And I've been coming out ever since. Mm.
1: (laughs) Oof, you did great.
2: Thank you for sharing. Long story. I don't know if I knew that story.
0: Oh, well. You do. <laughs> I'm
2: so happy to have heard it for the first time.
0: Thank you. And may I also share one more added to the praise of Andrew? His mother, I never heard of a parent ask, would you ever be interested in dating a girl or somebody of the opposite sex? I thought that was a really nice way to segue, because I'm a big believer of like if they're not ask if your child's not asking, don't ask for them. You know, don't force them out of the closet. Um, and the, the way your mom worded that to you was a really nice opening for you to kind of have that conversation. Mm. And so that was a new story, too.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. I just feel honored to have bear, bared witness to both A, both of your stories, and B, a new milestone in your friendship, a story that you didn't know told right it's here, true. right now. That's yeah. cool.
0: right. I mean, Dubs, you could just, like, be on mute and Andrew and I could talk for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I don't want Dubs <laughs> on mute. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Emilia. <laughs> I really don't want Dubs mute, but that's uh, like that's just us being like, oh, my gosh, Andrew, tell me more. Wow. Yeah, we have, we have,
2: there's so many untold stories. I think uh, the moment in time in relationships when you stop telling stories, you're, I mean, I, that day won't come for us, and I hope it never does.
0: I love
1: you, and that's our episode. That was that was so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, Emil, thank you again for sharing. And, um, I just I'm I keep thinking about this idea of you won't know until you try, and I and I if it's okay, I kind of want to like play with that a little bit because I've I am thinking about um. Kind of like the conversation that parents or adults will have with, like, well, you won't like. Have you ever, when someone comes out to them, they'll be like, well, have you ever, like, if a if a man comes out, right, a boy, uh, let's say, man, okay, and so, well, have you ever like kissed another man or have you ever had sex with another man? And like, you don't have to say yes to know that you're a queer person. You know what I mean? And so, there's kind of like I'm feeling this tension around you won't know until you try, and the sense of. Like, but we do know who we are on the inside. We don't have to have been in a sexual encounter with someone to know who we are. Right. And, and there is something really satisfying about, you know, going on a date with someone and being like, oh, this is the thing. Or like having a kiss with someone for the first time, uh, you know, of the same gender or a different gender, whatever your identity is, right? Um, that's not heteronormative. Um, and being like, oh yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, I think
0: what differentiates it for somebody in terms of them having that awakening moment is that emotional component. Because in high school, you know, maybe we experiment with members of the same sex or in the same community, but we're high schoolers and we're horny and we're like any physical touch just raises a lot of hormones. I know it was for me. Uh, and then it wasn't until college that I had an emotional experience with somebody of the same sex and realized, oh, this is different. This feels like I've been missing that moment my whole life. Because dating girls, sure, it was emotional, but it wasn't romantically emotional. And so I didn't realize like that was the missing puzzle piece until I experienced that for the first time and realized there was no turning back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think it's really, really interesting. Um, just thinking about all the different components that go into relationships and that there's not one right way to have a relationship because there are, there are people who have, who don't experience, um, like sexual attraction at all, but still Mm -hmm. very deeply want that emotional or romantic attraction. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, you know, people who don't experience romantic attraction or emotional attraction, but Very much so, sexual attraction, and so it's really just I. I just love how diverse one human being can be, and how, um, you know, how different moments of and or experiences can land for a different person. So I'm I'm glad that you said that, so we could bring that up.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I'm also like thinking about um, uh, again, this this is all through my own lens and the way in which I like see and navigate the world, obviously, but but like. I think somewhere inside of us, and I, this might be true of you too, Emil, given that you said in your story that you were, you weren't feeling like pursuing women was, was the right path for you. Like, I do think really deep down, we know who we are and we um, have trouble honoring that because there are so many things in the world that um, pose themselves as obstacles. So we start to To put up those walls to protect ourselves and the irony of putting up walls to protect yourself is that that thing gets buried really deep and and hides behind those many many walls we put up for so long and i think like the way i think about this question of like you have to try it to know if it's true or the tension between that and obviously the other part of what i just said which dubs you brought up so eloquently around knowing who you are deep down is that sometimes those experiences might not tell us who we are but they might validate the things that we already know about ourselves um, or are in the process of discovering about ourselves
0: yeah it's why I have faith in Generation Z Um, (laughs) because I think more than anything what they're bringing to the table as a community is empathy and I think they're going to be the most empathic generation we've seen uh, probably thus far and with an empathy you're seeing younger people come out all across the spectrum, not just in a binary way. You're seeing so many new identities and labels being removed or being added. You're seeing people identify as one thing, but experiment proudly in another way. And I think that has a lot to do with creating an empathic world. So people aren't, like Andrew said, feeling like there's an obstacle in the way of expressing themselves or trying to identify their true, their true selves.
2: Somebody was just telling me about Gen Z's empathy. Was it you, Emil? I was oh, having a conversation yeah. with someone and they <laughs> said that there's someone now like doing all this research on uh, Gen Z and, oh. and, and them being like the generation of empathy, uh, which is cool. I'll have to like, look that up after we get off the, off the, the mics.
1: Well, I love knowing um, that. Oh, sorry. Emil. go ahead. <laughs> no I was just agreeing yeah as you were <laughs> <laughs> um it's just all of this is 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 having me think about a couple of things like that you both said around this idea of kind of um we're always coming like there we're always coming out and you I think I forget which one of you said like I've come out a thousand times or you know like whatever it is and Um, which is why I, which is why I open this every day, every day, every episode of like, we all have multiple coming out stories. Right. And so how do we, and then, um, how do we, as a society, how do we, in our professions, how do we, as people build a world or build a world where we don't have to come out where the expectation or the norm isn't straight and cisgender, but it's there is no norm right there's just we all just are in a in a world existing together and so i'm just curious if um if, what what comes what's on your heart when i say that um what come what comes to mind i think because you know right now in the work the dei work that i do it's working with institutions on being more explicit about about sending the signal sending the message of like you belong no matter who you are you belong because right now the way that most places are set up there is that, you know, uh, unintentional barrier of one or the other, and so I'm, I'm, I'll leave it there.
0: It's a big question. Yeah. Uh. Andrew, what do you think? <laughs>
1: um,
0: I'll, I'll go if you need a second.
2: I'm, I'm like hesitating only because um, the first, my first reaction was a little bit more like rational and logical, and I was trying to think through all the different steps that it would take to create uh-huh. that, that world, and then you and i was and that was happening in my brain as you were still asking your question, and part of your question that um, came next while I was still you know processing it all was i 'm wondering what sits on your heart while i 'm saying this and i yeah. Um, I really felt like a huge amount of sadness in my heart. Like part of me really wonders, we could think through logically from a DEI lens or from the ways in which we do our work in the world and all the steps that we know it will take to create a more inclusive society. And part of me wonders, like, is that naive? Like, are there going to be segments of the population that that don't ever evolve to that place? And that makes me really sad. And I'm not usually like a a pessimistic person. I'm a silver linings type of guy, but I... I am really curious, especially now in the polarized environment we're living in, um, politically, racially, sexually, all of the different elements of our identities that are being told they shouldn't exist. I'm thinking about abortion rights at the moment um, and and the devastating, devastating uh, place we've come to in this country. Uh, I'm saying this on July 25th, so it's after most people already know about the, the Supreme Court decision about Roe v. Wade, and I'm just wondering, like, are we are we moving further and further apart? And I'm, um, and I hope that's not true. And it makes me really sad to think about what people don't have at the moment.
0: womp. womp.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) No, no,
0: no. It's good that you brought it up. And I, I think the day we stop politicizing our sexuality or people stop politicizing sexuality is, and start focusing on bigger picture, the ways to make the world better as a whole, the country as a whole, will be a day when it no longer matters uh, who we are, Um, which is why visibility and representation matters. And Dubs, your question made me think of my thesis uh, project that I did in grad school, which was a study through photographs, Because I'm a photographer, um, on whether or not uh, genderification of a minority in this instance, the Boston queer community, was good or bad for the people of that community, Uh, and there was a lot of debates that I would have with professors and students about it. Uh, And of course, you can fill in the blank: queer can become Jewish, could become you know, black, Hispanic, Asian, it could be anything, it could be any minority. Um and whether or not we what we lose in that gentrification is worthy of is worth the acceptance and safety of being accepted into the greater whole. And so to kind of go back to your question, and I hope I'm not losing my tangent, um my train of thought. That I hope that we always remain the queer community. I hope it doesn't become a day when all of those lines are no longer needed because I think there's a strength in that visibility, there's a strength in that community. And the second we stop celebrating that otherness is when we start losing a lot of who we are. And so I hope people just stop worrying about us. We're trying to make it, you know, and stop making it a political issue and just let a community be a community.
2: It's funny when you started talking, Emil, and you were, and you were talking about um, what you ended with, which is like not politicizing this anymore and not making it such a polarized issue. Part of what I was thinking about was actually like the more we do that and the more we show up in the streets and the more we protest and the more we fight and advocate, like, the more visible we are and and holding that sort of relationship between both of those things. Of course, we want to make sure that it's not political in the sort of like, American politics sense, so to speak. But I sort of love that my body in some ways is politicized. And I love that I get to be um, a face and an advocate and an activist for these things. I love showing up in the streets and meeting that community and and looking at people face to face and really like telling that story every year over and over and over again. Um, And now that I said telling that story over and over and over again, I'm thinking about how every year for the past 12 years I've spent uh, Passover with Emil and his family, and how we tell the story of the Jewish people because we know that um we don 't want that story to ever go away, and I think that 's true of queer people too we need to we need to do exactly what you said, Emil, which is to not forget where we came from so that um, so that we have that that thing that 's special about us that that thing that made made us other, and we reclaim it for ourselves and and we tell our own stories
1: yeah yeah, absolutely, and I think it's i think you're right, Emil, I would never want to like take away the the like magical you know aspect of of being queer and like that's like I think about this and talk <laughs> about this a lot of like my superpowers are is my my superpower is my queerness like I am mm. everything about me is because I had to like you mentioned this earlier too, Andrew, about this like having to undo those barriers and really dig deep into find who I've always been. And like doing that really hard work has made me who I am today. And I'm a very proud, queer person. And so I think it's I think it's like less about um like taking away the the power the power of queerness and more about opening up structures and opening up access um, mm. so everyone has the same exact access in celebration of identity, not in spite of, in spite of it.
0: Yeah. I think it doesn't help that we have such a huge generational divide right now that due to healthcare, due to various reasons, we're living longer, we're working longer. We have leadership that is decades older than the youngest voters and, on both political parties. And I think it that just creates a longer road to that um you know communal awakening because you're trying to fight for progress while trying to appease these people of an older of an older lifestyle who grew up in a very different world. Uh, where change is going to be a lot harder the older they get and so that's why I'm always encouraging younger people to get in office because you know or just to vote even Uh, because once that fire is lit then I think we'll see so much more change happen so much quicker
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hard agree So I'm going to, I'm going to switch our gears a little bit and I would love to know how the two of you met.
2: Hey, Andrew. You want me to go first? Okay. Of course. Um, we, well, there's like a long history of us basically like, um, never meeting before Mm -hmm. we actually met. So Mm -hmm. I'll say first and foremost, Emil at some point with his family moved to Vancouver um and born
0: oh yeah before i was born
2: yeah before you were born so they so emil and his siblings grew up on the west coast for the most part um i'll say as a spoiler alert we ultimately physically met for the first time on the east coast but this is important (laughs) because i grew up in los angeles also feel free to like riff off the story at any point in time i grew up in los angeles (laughs) and i went to summer camp at Camp Ramah in Ojai, California. And at some point, Emile's family moved down from Vancouver to Orange County, which is only about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on traffic from Los Angeles. And his sister started going to camp at Ramah in Ojai, even though he still went to camp um, up north, huh. closer to where Vancouver is. And so that sort of like West Coast situation enabled a first encounter between Cohen and Bell and Font, where I actually was friends with Emile's sister, Lucy, for quite some time. Um, and and then, my
0: sister is the same age as Andrew's sister. So right, Laura and Lucy or not?
2: They were. So this is a good uh, this is a good clarifying point. They are one year apart. But for the, when you're a, when you're in your first Ada or age group at Camp Vermont in Ohio, there are two ages in the same like there's two years that can go into one age group so they were in the same bunk um so i think they probably knew each other even before i knew lucy um and then fast forward quite some time emil went on a gap year program in israel after he had already lived on the east coast and my best friend uh from los angeles was on the same gap year program as him so our first encounters were when they both went home from their gap year programs. Emil went to college and started looking on D List for dates. And Shoshi right. and I were hanging out every single day in Los Very Angeles. And there was always this sort of like um, our orbits were always circling each other, whether I knew Lucy or whether I was friends with Shoshi and he was friends with Shoshi and all of this. So we were like sort of circling each other. Um, and then when I moved to New York in 2010, we met for the first time because Emil was back uh, in the city. I think that's when you were at Columbia. By Columbia
0: that time, yeah, Columbia, yeah.
2: yeah, you were at Columbia by then and I, I had just moved.
0: For the record, I was not at Columbia University. I am not that smart. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and I, my first memory, although for years we had like, um, not a texting relationship, but certainly like, a oh, we've seen each other on Facebook and stuff it like was that. was Facebook, or, yeah. Yeah, definitely we like had like a Facebook social media type relationship. Um, my first memory was when I was really like going to meet a meal for the first time. We were going to someone's apartment. I don't remember exactly who it was, that like everybody was hanging out in. And that was like where we were going to meet for the first time. I was arriving with Shoshi and you were already there, I think. Um, and I think Shoshi and I were like talking in the stairwell as we were coming up the staircase to go into the apartment. And you heard us speaking and i remember like before we even said hello to each other for the first time and like hugged and embraced and our friendship started you were like i never knew your voice before (laughs) and that's why
0: i just said homo and walked away (laughs) no just kidding no i (laughs) swear that wasn't the story um i don't remember that part (laughs) the (laughs) hugging yeah yeah um the rest is history the rest really is history because andrew and i talk multiple times a day uh via text um so i truly please forgive me for 12 years of daily texting it has blurred (laughs) the lines of when our friendship began uh where it went and what's going on right now (laughs) it's all one big uh ice cream
2: sundae i think what's funny is like that first encounter first of all, we were like already, like I said, in each other's orbits a little bit. So it felt very natural to like get along with each other. What's interesting is I moved to New York in August of 2010. And by that September, like you had already extended an invite to your parents for the Jewish high holidays. And so like, even within a month, we were like, hanging out on a regular basis at that level. I also think like anybody who's met Emil, anybody who's listening in, like you know that there's always an invite to the Jewish holidays at his parents' house. Like that's just a standing invitation for any friend of Emil's. Um, And so it felt really natural to like spend time together because we we jumped in really quickly.
0: I will say all of what you said is true. Um, I will also (laughs) say that there was a part of me. So Andrew, since the moment I met him has been... A very confident person. He has been very. I I find this a complete strength of his. Um, and it's a sign of my own, uh, growth as an adult that I wasn't at Andrew's level of, assuredness and, uh, confidence, back ten years, twelve years ago. Um, but he was always somebody that would tell you how he felt, tell you his opinion uh, which, you know, when you're a little bit more of a passive aggressive person, like I was or less confidence in outspokenness, it, it was really kind of intimidating to me. And so I loved hanging out with Andrew. And then when he'd be like, I don't want to do that. I'd be like, <gasps> oh my God. Uh, I don't know if I can do this for much longer. Um, but in my own growth as a human, uh, as well, you know, we all grow. I've certainly seen wonderful and amazing growth in Andrew as well um, in his own ways. But at some point, I learned uh, that level of communication it, as a strength and as something I needed to have in my own life. And I, when I moved back to New York in 2015, the first person I leaned to um, was Andrew. And he just opened his door for me slept on his couch we slept in his bed as like sleepover bunk mates we talked for so long because I had moved back uh, from England from a a very rough breakup and he was just the person I I needed that confidence I needed that ear I needed that person to be as transparent with me as I could find and it was him and so in the last seven years I would say our friendship has grown incredibly deep and Uh, to the point where he's always the first person I call to in crisis and for joy. You're not just a crutch of problem.
2: Thank you. I, first of all, thanks for, um, validating and affirming the, the things that I hold as like values in my life, which is that I think clear is kind. I think like being who you are is important. Um, and it's also really hard for me to like, uh, not be that way uh i've never i've never like been one for um what's the word like no i was gonna say niceties but that doesn't feel right i've never been passivities no i mean like i've never i've never like had a lot of pretense i don't i don't actually show up um other like in spaces not being the person i am but i but i the thing that really other than like saying thank you for acknowledging and validating that i i really want to say that i i do think 2015 was really formative for our friendship i think when we really like grew into each other and evolved in our own relationship as friends, um, it, it really like, we like turned a corner in a way that, that has been really special to me and it's been one of the anchors in my life. So.
0: I agree. And I don't want you to ever change. In fact, I needed to change in order to like (laughs) find equal excellence. Um, And you were like a great light in the lighthouse that said, like be more like Andrew.
2: So nice. I think there are probably some things that need to change, but I'm very stubborn. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> but like in a cute stubborn way, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: it's
2: cute. This feels Whoa. so silly. Dubs, interrupt us at any time. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're now we're just <laughs> like,
1: you are pretty. No, you're pretty. Listen, it's beautiful <laughs> to witness. We need more love, in the, more love, more queer platonic love in this world. Um, but what's a, what's a cornerstone in your friendship?
0: Um, well, as Andrew and I just mentioned, twenty fifteen was very significant in our friendship. Um, was that the year your mom also passed away, Andrew?
2: It was. Um, it was right after she died at the end of twenty fourteen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then I came back less than a year later on my own, uh, and with my own um, my own breakup and uh, need of somebody. support and i think we were just two people who are already friends with each other who already loved and respected each other and were there for each other in like a real time of need and i think that's right yeah
2: yeah. yeah i was just gonna like echo and and add on that like we both i don't know that either of us necessarily like knew what the other one needed or even what we ourselves needed but like we knew it was comfortable to be with each other and that like level of companionship um, has always been a sort of hallmark like if we go out to dinner now or if we get on the phone and talk like we don't ever start by being like how was your day or what do you need it's (laughs) like there's very little we just jump in and I think like that level of comfort was something that we both Mm -hmm. we just needed a companion because we both had, had lost something in our lives.
0: And I was so grateful for your patience because I remember just needing to word vomit and get so much out of my brain that I was going through, and you were just like, "I'm on it. I got it. You tell me what you need. I'll talk to you for as long as you need me to talk to. Come over. <laughs> stay. Stay as long as you need to. I got you." Um, so thanks. <laughs>
2: There's also a lot of silliness in our relationship. It's not coming through in the headphones right now. But there's know. like a there's like a whole lot of like silly joking and playfulness and I
0: wish like, I could tell you the story that happened yesterday that got both of us crying with laughter, but it is not the time for this. <laughs> well, wait you know no a minute. We'll it tell Dub that will be an exclusive for you after <laughs> Ooh, the yeah. over.
1: Deal yeah,
2: dubs, you can hear it if it's not on record. Great.
1: <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Um, so have there ever been moments where you've had to be like queer allies to each other? and like, what does that look like?
0: I'm trying to think. Could you like go into that question a little more?
1: Sure. So I'm just thinking about, um, like in my, in my life, um, my pronouns are they, them. And so there Mm -hmm. are a lot of moments in which. I have friends who um, will correct other people when other people use the wrong pronouns for me. So for me, that's like being a queer ally in that moment. But I know not everyone, you know, not everyone has that particular experience, but are there other moments of um, maybe, um, you know, some kind of uncomfortable or derogatory experience that's based around sexuality that one of you like supported or intervened uh, on behalf of the other?
2: Hmm. It's such a thoughtful question. I, I don't know that I have partic- I in particular have experienced that um, with Emil being present in a way that he would need to intervene. Um, I also think like apropos of what we were talking about earlier in terms of like certain people's rights being taken away, uh, Emil and I both identify as cis white gay men. And so we have a lot of privilege that I think it's like worth acknowledging and saying out loud that like we're, we benefit, um, from a lot of, a lot of privilege, which means that we're not often in spaces that, um, where people discriminate against us, which is not to say it hasn't happened in our lives. Of course we we've experienced our fair share, but, um, we're really, really lucky. And, um, I think we've used that allyship, mm-hmm. not necessarily for each other, but for other people, um, that needed, needed advocates and, and activists. So yeah. I, yeah, on the, on like a sort of like tangentially related note, I would say Emil often is, for me, a really safe entry point into queer spaces that I don't naturally gravitate toward. Emil took me to P-Town for my first time and has spent summers there with me um, and includes me in in Nights Out in in spaces that, like, I, I have a great time and I enjoy spending time in and I love, like, queer life in that way, but because of the work that do, that I do and because of my travel schedule and and i I often just like I'm in professional Andrew mode a lot of the time, and I actually feel really grateful that Emil often will push me or or invite me into queer spaces that i I might not otherwise spend time in so
0: and I would just say the same thing with uh specifically Jewish queer spaces, which I'm always looking to find and uh, expand in my life and Andrew is the ultimate gateway for that for me because mm-hmm. he has such an expansive queer Jewish um, network in New York City and so he'll invite me to things where I don't know anybody and he'll navigate that area for me um, which I'm always grateful for because it's a new experience every time because um, it always feels like we're going to something new and different in terms mm-hmm. of Jewish clearness. so it's great that like, oh, this is going to be like a singing one. I'm going to introduce you to like the leaders who are going to like run this program to like, let's go to this gay Jewish party. You know, like here's my crew that you need to just keep an eye on um, or keep out, look out for if you ever need somebody. He's a great leader in that.
1: I love that you, you both took my question and expanded it in a way. Cause I, the way that I presented it was, you know, with a negative lens. And I love that you flipped it on Ted and said like, well, here's another way to like show up for people in your community is by inviting them in and making them feel safe and comfortable in a space where they might not feel safe, but are meant to be, but because of whatever it might be, you know, we don't, you know, it's not always comfortable. And so having that, that person, um, is really important. So thanks for flipping that question on its head.
0: I would also say, um, just to add to that, Andrew has been a huge, uh, I try and be an ally for Andrew as much as I can when it comes to his diabetes. Mm. May I talk about that, Andrew? Please. Um, Andrew is a type one diabetic and a huge outspoken advocate for diabetic rights, diabetes, right? Uh, insulin costs going down, uh, medication, like awareness, just putting it out there. And I try and be there for him um for that whenever he's sharing things i try and share it for him i keep an eye on his dexcom which is an electronic monitor on his arm that monitors his sugar levels and i every now and then check it because i have the app and i was <laughs> uh invited to watch andrew's blood sugar <laughs> glucose, you were, there are glucose only levels. five people
2: are allowed to follow it and you're one of them
0: right and i check in on it <laughs> i um, love that and, so much <laughs> and yes yeah, so that is like a huge uh a huge way that I know I can be there for him because there's always need for more advocacy and voices when it comes to that. A little pivot, but Thanks. hopefully accurate.
2: Yeah, thank you. I believe that uh, insulin access is unaffordable and unjust, and I'm happy to talk more about it at any time.
1: <laughs> well, it's always nice to know that our, you know, that we It's so, it's so special to have friends in our lives um, who are those safe spaces, our entry points, our advocates. Um, It really helps. It helps navigating this shit show of a world that's happening right now, like, like incrementally easier and better and bearable. Um, So it's really, it's, it's beautiful witnessing the two of the friendship that the two of you have. Um, You both. you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you both have brought up Judaism and queerness, and I'm curious um, how for each of you Judaism plays a part in your queerness, if at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Uh,
0: well, I'm the son of a rabbi and uh, <laughs> and Jewish educators, both my mom and my dad. Um, so my Judaism, my Jewish identity is a strong pillar of who I am and uh, continues to be a source of self-navigation because you, you know, whenever we were, whenever anybody is raised in a religious household, you're kind of raised in the way your parents instill those values on you. And when I moved back to New York to this day, I continue to like seek out my own form of that Jewish identity. And I think a, an entry point for that for me is through the queer Jewish identity. Um, And there's a community in New York, but it's kind of feels like a, like a many pieces to a bigger puzzle kind of community. There's not one cohesive queer Jewish community space. You know, there's that party over here. There's that shul over here. There's that congregation over there, but I've yet to find the group that, fully clicks, um, for both me and my husband. So I seek more and more of a Jewish queer community out. And, uh, Andrew, certainly a great access of knowledge towards that, um, both personally and on a larger scale. So maybe you can talk about that, Andrew.
2: Um, yeah, I, I guess the thing I'm thinking about in response to your question, Dubs is, um, about like the intersection of these two identities for me. I Mm -hmm. think like so much, um, I guess, I think actually diabetes too, like so much of, of my specific identities, so much of what each of those has taught me actually informs the other. And Mm -hmm. so, so much of who I am as a Jewish person and the way I carry myself in terms of my values or ethics, or, or just even thinking about like the embodied aspects of Judaism um, knowing that like, and we've talked about this many times in the last hour or so, like like being a queer person is completely interrelated with who you are in your body um, in mm-hmm. so many ways. And so I think about like my own Judaism, like what are the, you know, ritual garments that I choose to wear? At which times do I choose to wear them? Like, how do I express myself? You could talk a lot about like gender expression in Jewish culture and values. Like there's so many interesting sort of connected Um, threads that are interwoven for me between who I am as a Jew and who I am as a a queer person. And I think, I feel really grateful, actually, that um, I can live life as a Jewish person who is queer because Mm -hmm. uh, it informs a lot of the ways that I think about certain texts or the way that I read them, the way that I analyze them, uh, the way that I practice, the the people I am in company with, the spaces I choose to go to or not go to because they are either safe or not safe for me. Um, So that's that's sort of like where my head is right now on that question
0: i'm just gonna say same 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 <laughs> so you can just edit out my answer and just take <laughs> andrews
1: do you really no
0: you're no 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 okay i liked your answer but andrew once again just said it so much more eloquently than i do and so i always want to rewind time
2: I feel like you have to ask us a question. Yeah, I think you have to ask us, like, what's something we don't like about each other so we don't keep just giving each other praise? No, I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> I... Uh, yeah. No, Emil, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I wish...
0: Uh, I hope to continue to see more uh, space for Jewish queer people within the queer community because I think... um, I think sometimes the Jewish community is not always thought of when it comes to intersectionality and yeah. i know there's a lot of people trying to make an effort into include being included in that conversation and i just uh hope it continues because there, yeah. yeah
2: i i totally agree with that and i think especially like i said earlier about about abortion rights one of the, like the common themes we've been seeing um certainly in social media and and being posted and shared around a lot is like what Judaism what Judaism's values are in particular around abortion rights. And and a lot of what I've been finding really meaningful and I'm appreciating is that most of those things say that um, Judaism is in favor of abortion and in the health of the parent who is alive and uh, ensuring that they have uh, safe access to their own health and prioritizing that. And I don't think in queer spaces, actually, now that I'm like talking it out, we necessarily see Judaism going up against other faiths uh, when it comes to rights for queer people. But I, I actually think if we can take some of the perspective that Judaism and, and this, these social media posts and memes and things are sharing about Judaism's values in that regard, and we actually can be willing to go up against other faiths and say, actually, we, we stand strong with queer folks, I think that could be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I agree. <laughs> I just, something that I'm, I'm thinking about yes. um, that we'll, we'll have to explore in another episode, which is this idea of queering Jewish spaces and chewing queer spaces, <laughs> making queer spaces yeah. more Jewish Absolutely. and like how different they, how different that actually, they're not the same. They're not the same spaces. Mm-hmm, and like, course. how do you do that? And what do they look like? And why do we have to do that? Um, it's just uh, it's an interesting thought.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, great point in identifying the other two different statements, clarifying Jewish spaces and querifying queer spaces.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd read that book.
0: In
1: a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, I would too. Um, I wonder if it exists.
2: You got to write it, Dubs. <laughs> oh, oh, <boy>. Dubs. <laughs> oh,
1: man, I got I mean, maybe, who knows? (laughs) Um, I'll take your
0: headshot. I'll take the, about the author photo of you.
1: All right. Mark, Mark Emile's words, everybody, (laughs) the photo jacket. Um, Oh my, it'd be an honor. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I hate to do this, but I must move us into our last segment. Uh, Um, uh, But again, uh, it was just such a, a pleasure watching the two, the two of you just be friends. Like just, that's what I got to see. And that was very cool. Um. So this is a lightning round of questions. It's going to work, I guess, a little bit differently because um, there are two of you. So one of you is going to have just a little bit more time to think than the other. But I, basically, and these questions are open ended. They're not either or because I was told those questions were too binary, which is Ooh. a beautiful call in.
2: We love feedback. We love
1: it. we Love it. Love critical feedback. Love it. We love. We are here for it. So with that. They're open-ended questions, so I would say just um, answer as quickly as you can. Read, read each other. uh, Whoever wants to speak first, go for it.
2: Uh, Read each other to filth.
1: Yeah, that. (laughs) Okay. If you could name your own crayon, what would you name it?
0: Oh wait, are we naming what we think the other person would name it, or ourselves?
1: Ooh, what a good question. Thank you. Yourself. (laughs) Okay. Unless, unless you want to do it that the other way. I've never, we've never done that before. And I'm open to it. Would you want to do that? They're all open-ended. I mean, so it's a little bit more. challenging. I'll,
2: I'll... I, I have no um, opinion on this. <laughs> well,
1: let's just do it ourselves. Let's just okay. keep it. Okay.
2: Keep it I'll simple. think about it. So If there's a good
0: call and response for one of the questions about Andrew, I will chime in.
1: Beautiful. Okay. So if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it?
0: Um, French fry brown. <laughs> mm. Um what's better than French fries in this world?
2: I think I would name a crayon slip and slide.
0: Love it. Slip and slut <laughs> or slip and slide? Slide. Although I like slip and slut.
1: I would read slip and slut. <laughs> slip and slut gray. <laughs> yeah. Slip and slot pink. <laughs> um, okay, favorite time of day.
0: The time I'm with Andrew. Just kidding.
1: Oh, uh,
0: so I was kidding. I was kidding. That's so um, nice. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't true. Um what's my favorite time of day? Mm-hmm. The time where you get to sit on the toilet and just like tune out.
2: Oh, Great. I was I took it a little bit more literally and was gonna like literally say a time.
1: Yeah. However uh, you interpret the question. They're both yeah. correct.
2: Great. I love um just before the sun is set and everything is orange and pink. I love that too.
1: Beautiful. it's a very nice answer it's a beautiful answer but i also love the time when i get to just be on the toilet so thank you <laughs> they're both love can imagine so your knee- both at the same time so your yeah. hands are on your
0: your elbows are on your thighs and you've been on the toilet for so long that your thighs become numb because you put so much pressure oh and you have two red circles throat. on your thighs yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah
2: and you've watched 85 tiktoks yeah
0: yeah and the 85th one is Got to count the. To
1: <laughs> There's definitely been moments where I've been on the toilet for so long that my entire leg will fall asleep, yeah. And it's like so Correct. painful, and I stand up, and I'm like, "Why do I do this to myself?" And I have to like, teach, it's almost like I have to teach myself to like, walk yeah, again for a second.
2: And it's like, how do I do this? Yeah. For the Gen it's... Zers who are listening, being in your 30s means lower back pain and knees, um, and knees gets hard. Doesn't get better.
0: Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, baby. They all, they all like at some point. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next. All right. right, Next.
1: (laughs) Thank you for keeping me on, on task. Uh, Your favorite current queer media representation.
0: Oh my gosh. What a great question. (laughs) Um, For me, that would be the Instagram account called. There is no planet earth. Let me tell you something, everyone. There is No Planet Earth might be one of the most important Instagram accounts out there, along with the AIDS Memorial and uh, other queer archival accounts. Um, I'm a big lover of queer history, especially when it comes to New York City and the music scene. And there is no planet Earth magically. I don't know how they collect so much footage but it is truly an archive a textbook a history of new york queer nightlife from footage of paradise garage which is this old classic gay club to the old balls to performances of iconic drag queens like lip Synca. there's a great uh there's footage of madonna and delight in the 90s and 80s it's just i think Everybody needs to delve and dip into the history of our community, and especially if there are accounts that offer video, audio, um, media, not just written. Um, It's just phenomenal, and it kind of really makes you realize that like we were were born in the wrong time, (laughs) for me at least. Um, so I really love it. It's a new account. I am shamefully just discovered because I feel like it was born and made for me. Um, so there is no planet earth. Please follow.
1: Amazing.
2: There is no planet earth. I... Ah, it's
0: so good. I'm sorry. I just love <laughs> it so much.
2: I'm so excited for how excited you are.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited.
2: I will say the two that popped into my head immediately. Sorry that I can't pick one. Cause I, um I just can't. One is, um, on Instagram, if you follow at Julian cookies, he's been doing these, um, like recreations of scenes from the devil wears Prada right now. And they're just so (laughs) funny. And I just, I, I, am like eating them up and I send them to my sister every day and they're just amazing. And then the other person, I just finished, um, season three of love Victor and Mm. the actor who plays Rahim is named Anthony Kavon and he is unbelievable. He's just a total standout on the show. Um, an incredible character of raheem but but the actor I'm, I'm totally into his whole vibe at the moment
1: amazing is there a yeah. new season of love victor out
2: love victor season three i think it's the best season
1: it's the last one right? when did it come out
2: i think like i mean re- very recently i watched it like oh. in the last week or two yeah. so i
1: have a whole series i need to season i need yeah. to watch great that's what i'm doing when we hang up okay uh beautiful What's Um, yours, uh, Dubs? Oh my god! Teach children. No one has ever asked me (sighs) back, ever. Thank you. First off, rude to everyone. First off, rude at literally everyone. Um, Oh god, I don't have an answer because I've never been asked. Um, Favorite current queer
2: media representation?
0: I mean, none of none of us have said. uh,
2: (sighs) Nobody said Mother Disco.
0: What's Mother Disco?
2: Emil, tell us.
0: No, you brought it up.
2: <laughs> Mother Disco is a a collab between Emil and his friend Tom, who's the Christopher Street Reader, and they have a disco party in Brooklyn, and it's so fun.
0: Fun. I don't want to brag. It's kind of great. It's On really fun. Day, please follow Mother Disco and NYC for our yeah. latest party updates, which will be coming this September. Um. Okay. What okay? We Wait, have
2: Dubs, to... you, Dubs, we need your answer. Oh no! <laughs> what um, it was this sh-
0: show that everyone was talking about a few months ago? The little gays in
1: high school. Oh, I did love that. Heartstopper. That was really Heartstopper. Cool. Oh, I loved
2: Heartstopper. Also, Emil, you're gonna kill me, but I still haven't watched Veneo. No.
0: Okay, that's crickets. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Being about queer history, if none of you have seen Veneno, your homework when you hang up or end this episode is to go on HBO Max and turn one of the greatest TV seasons of all time on right now. It is a miniseries from Spain that chronicles the story of La Venena, one of the formidable trans leaders in the country and in modern queer history. She was unabashedly herself so unique the creators love her and created such a beautiful love story that told her story and it's her, her ups and her downs. It was not an easy life for love. And I um, but the mini series is just, when I say it is a beautiful piece of art, I say that in truly all it's meaning, um, a beautiful trans cast, incredible performances, queer as fuck. And all told in the native language. And please, Please don't watch Love Victor. Watch Love and No, and then watch Love Victor because Love and No <laughs> walked, so Love Victor could run.
1: Mm, beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, I will also watch it, but don't tell me what to do. Just kidding. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here know, for it. That is wrong. <laughs> um, all right, so I would say a is my favorite current queer media representation. They are a beautiful activist yeah. poet performer, educator, just all around great human.
2: Also, like, I love when you can watch someone who, like, has done the healing and, like, knows who they are and can confidently mm-hmm. say, like, this isn't about me. Um, shout, out, shout out to Alok. I'm totally retweeting that, Dubs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Huge fan. Huge. A song that makes your heart sore. A song that makes my heart sore?
0: Like, ouch, sore or or like sore or sore, so,
1: I know. I knew. I so I always was waiting for this for someone to ask me to clarify that. And you're the first two. That's why I, when oh. I ask it, I go like this: like sore, like happy, like fly, like you know.
0: I mean, I think we should a- answer both. Go for it's it. It's like the song that crushes you emotionally.
1: I can. And this goes to
0: you, Dubs too. I think it's a good three three person conversation.
1: It's a, "I Can't Make You Love Me" by Bonnie Raitt destroys oh. me. Destroy. You it. know what? That was like... It's going to be hard to double. <laughs> <Like,
2: laughs> that's my, a really good one. My S-O-R-E sore is um, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Oh my
1: gosh. Both of you are a
0: jugular. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. This is a really hard question for me because I love music so much and I'm literally on Spotify right now just going through all the lists of my favorite songs. I think a, a song that makes me sore forever that has never altered is the fuji's cover of killing me softly mm. um since the day i've heard it in the 90s to 2022 on july 25th <laughs> i will listen to it in its entirety if it comes on i will play it when i need just to find that groove again um mm. it has remained a favorite since its inception when i was a young lad to this day A song that makes me soar, like um. Well, if anybody else wants to add into their S O A R, hop in.
2: I think my my soar like flying song is "I Want to Dance with Somebody," Mm, Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah. Because like you hear that first beat, and you're just like, "I'm getting up (laughs) and dancing (laughs) right now." Yeah, exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Well, mine's also it's a Whitney Houston and Kygo. Um, higher Love. Ooh. That song is everything. That's
0: everything. a chef's kiss. That's a chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, I will say my sore S O R E song It's probably an oldie. It might be The Boxer by. Oh, I Barfum love The Gold. Boxer. I really love it. I love it more when it's the story is like told, when the right person sings it and like knows the emotion behind it. Do you remember
2: it. when Lee DeWise sang it on American Idol?
0: No, but here's a fun fact. <laughs> Listeners, the silence lasted too long. <laughs> here's a fun fact. Andrew Belenfant. Possibly America's number one American Idol fan for yeah, a good 10 years. Yeah, it was a, it was a solid decade. We had a good... Also, fun fact about Andrew, he was the Gleek of the Week.
2: Should I put that in my bio?
0: Yeah. It is a great <laughs> fact about you. It has now been enough time where it's nostalgically cute.
2: Yeah, for people who don't know, because Glee, Glee was on... I guess, long enough ago that people might not know about it. Gleek of the Week was a thing that they did after every episode that aired. Like some random fan would get featured on the show. And I was a Gleek mm. of the Week one week. What? So what would you do? Nothing. I just had to send them a picture and they put it it's on. So it was in televisions like, across America. This
1: week's Gleek of the Week is Andrew.
2: Yeah.
1: OMG, that should and absolutely I was working... be in your bio. It's a real yeah, good
2: I was working as a program director at a summer camp at the time and like all of the kids at the camp watched Glee and so like social media that night was like oh my god we know that guy but it was like 12 year olds social media <laughs> was also just Facebook <laughs> yeah it was just Facebook Yeah, I think Instagram was like up and coming they were, they were maybe two or three years old at the time
0: I mean we gotta find that Glee of the Week screenshot somewhere
2: I have pictures, I have pictures you
1: all owe that. me a lot of different pictures okay yeah. favorite beverage oh.
0: <sighs> Diet Coke I love a Coke Zero.
1: Mm, I just isn't my back.
0: favorite? It's probably up there. I'll just give it to Coke Zero for the summer, for this heat wave.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll give
0: it to Coke Zero. Yep. Although, <laughs> you can't give me these questions. They're really good.
2: Yeah, Emil, you're cut <laughs> off. You're cut off. So what's
1: the next question. Favorite, well, this one's a, a favorite quote. Oh. Ooh, I got some faces from both of you. You can pass. That's a harder one. I feel like Andrew would <laughs> I, have like a hundred Yeah,
2: already. I think um, my quote, I'm going to just make sure that I say it exactly right because I feel like it's important. I'll go. I have a good one. Yeah. I don't
0: know if I've ever thought about my favorite quote, but one of my favorite in the canon of quotes is from my grandfather who would always say, never pass up an opportunity. And he would always say that referring to going to the bathroom. Mm. always go before you know never pass up an opportunity to go but you can apply smart. that to anything which i have taken you know taken a heart and everything i do in life never pass up an opportunity but most importantly the bathroom that's nice. so smart
2: mine is um a quote by by someone named Lilla watson um and lila says if you have come here to help me you are wasting your time but if you have come here because your liberation is bound up with mine then let us work together
0: which is a very Andrew directed quote. I, I feel like it's like it, you it, love that. That was written for you.
2: It, yeah, it wasn't written for me, but it feels like it was written for me, which I yeah. think all, all, all quotes that resonate with people, they feel like they are speaking to something inside of you. So yeah, let's work together, you know?
0: I know, does the never pass opportunity line mean I have FOMO? And I should just like never, never say no to anything else. You're always going to regret it. And you'll always feel left out because... You're, you know, mean, This isn't therapy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: last question.
1: <laughs> bagels or donuts?
0: Bagels. Discussion closed. Hang up.
2: I just kidding. I don't know what to do. I think I'll go. <laughs> I think I'll go for donuts on this one. I also. Woo! I know. I do love bagels. It's. It, I mean, it's. Listen.
0: Great. When you need it the most, what are you looking for? Like a toasted everything. Bagel with all the goods. On I top. think
2: if you are a person who who grew up in California in the 90s and early 2000s, and you're used to going to the corner pink box donut shop, Look, You we love
0: the corner pink box. We yeah, you know what I'm donut. talking about. You do know what you're talking about. And
2: the fun fact okay, on also... the history of the pink box: watch the documentary Donut King on whatever streaming service it's on, because it's about the invention of like donuts in California, and it's amazing. I mean, and I it's about like refugees which is really cool i did
0: not know that i also feel like there's a lot of direction we can go towards talking about pink boxes
2: so we'll just leave it at that true i'm done i'm done you drew the line all right so
1: yes we drew the line the correct answer was bagels but we'll um (laughs) i'm just kidding thank you Um, but
0: it it
1: is if you know me
0: i I will say this bagels (laughs) can be sweet and savory i have never had a savory donut yet so if somebody wants to introduce that into my world I'm here.
1: Absolutely. I'm here. Call me, <laughs> Andrew, Emil. This has been such a pleasure, such an, um, just like a, a treat. I think a gift is the word I was looking for to, to yeah. bear witness to your beautiful friendship. Thank you both for sharing and Thank you both for coming. I mean, yeah, I can't say both in the middle of the title. Thank you for coming out,
0: you both. <laughs> <laughs> you both. Dubs, thanks for giving us this space to talk about our friendship with each other. It's not yeah, a so good to have such a transparent conversation with your best friend.
2: Yeah, I really, um, this was really nice and reflective. And I'm, um, my heart is a little bit more open and a little bit happier going into the rest of my evening. Thank you.
0: I agree. Thank you for creating such a great space for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for coming out.